This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. Chris is Canadian. She's Métis. I'm Jewish. Okay. Okay. And I, I was mortified last night mm-hmm. when I remember this news conference from late January. That's the voice of Benjamin Dichter, a part-time trucker from Toronto who was tasked with speaking for the Freedom Convoy. And who can forget how 3,000 trucks from all parts of the country set up camp in Ottawa for three weeks and touched off related protests and blockades across the country and around the world. After two years of COVID lockdowns, the protesters were angry about vaccine mandates and also about the Arrive Can app. The crisis prompted the Trudeau government to bring in the controversial Emergencies Act to end the protest. Dichter now says he never planned to reveal he was Jewish, but he changed his mind after a Nazi flag was spotted on Parliament Hill because he needed to counter the image of the convoy as a bunch of racist white supremacists. The Nazi flag incident and the uproar it sparked is one of the key parts of Dichter's new book. It's called Honking for Freedom, the trucker convoy that gave us hope. Dichter claims the Nazi flag was actually a conspiracy staged by people with ties to the Liberal government, who needed to make the convoy look bad, and he believes it worked. I can't remember the exact words, but if you want to take over a narrative, uh, use words like uh, racist, anti-Semitic, uh, words that have a a, a, sp- a a particular sting. And if you repeat it over and over again, eventually the recipients will begin to accept it. And that's those are the tactics that we saw. There's- I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, December the 5th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Well, I'm back from Portugal after a much-delayed trip to mark our 25th wedding anniversary and my birthday. And while I was away, I was reading Benjamin Dichter's new book. He co-wrote it with Canadian journalist John Goddard, formerly of the Toronto Star. They self-published it. Dichter's now on the book promotion circuit, talking about the convoy and what it accomplished and how it changed his life. Today, 10 months later, he's just wrapped up testifying at the government's ongoing inquiry into the use of the Emergencies Act. Dichter says he still works part-time as a trucker, but with best-selling author Jordan Peterson now a supporter, Dichter's since become a guest on conservative and right-wing platforms, including Tucker Carlson of Fox News and on former Canadian Stephen Crowder's YouTube show, and he's been making the rounds on the Bitcoin scene. He needs to sell a lot of books. There are bills and also a big lawsuit. While Dichter personally wasn't arrested or charged criminally the way some of the other convoy organizers were, he and they are all facing a multi-million dollar class action case from residents of downtown Ottawa. A case he says he can't afford to fight because the millions raised to help the truckers via the GoFundMe campaigns are still frozen or were refunded. I spoke to Dichter about his new book. He told me he wants to get his story out in his own words because he feels traditional media outlets and Canadian politicians have it all wrong about the convoy. So let me start, though, if I could, 
with why you decided that a book needed to be written about this? Because there was reams of podcasts and videos and interviews. I mean, it was a highly covered story. So what what else can you say? Why a book? Well, first thing, I was in a very, very unique position to comment on many of the things that you would see in mainstream media and alternative media that were inaccurate. And we've seen inaccuracies on all sides. So I thought it was very important for people to uh, get a full idea, the context of what was going on behind the scenes, what we were dealing with. And, you know, as you've you've read it, all the positive stories around it. Now, I knew we were going to go in to have some sort of commission, investigation, whatever it was. I imagined, you know, having run for parliament and knowing a lot of people in politics and a lot of elected officials, I know how the process works. I know how it's going to turn to become entirely politicized, which is exactly what happened during the commission. And I wanted to have something, some sort of archive, some sort of uh, account specifically of what happened, irrespective of the politicization of the process, that there would be some sort of documentation that people both could enjoy, but get an entirely um, uh, accurate perspective of what went on. And that's why, you know, uh, Jordan Peterson wrote the um, uh, wrote the endorsement for the book. And I was so happy when he sent the endorsement back to me in an email. He referred to um, a certain gentleman by the the then Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, because I think people need to understand that we are going to move beyond the extremist postmodern era in Canadian politics. And in the future, I want people to be able to look back and read this and see what actually went on. Okay. And why put it on November 11th? Well, that was completely intentional because I think there's enough people in our political uh, class who need to be reminded uh, as to the significance of November 11th and what they did on um, when they invoked the Emergencies Act and then on the February 15th when they started to kettle and abuse uh, the most peaceful protest in Canadian history. So they maligned them for three weeks, called them names, thought that that's all they needed to do. Uh, but because the legacy media has so little credibility, so many most people understood that it was a complete lie. And uh, they turned the country into a banana republic is what they've done. And people in previous generations, you know, you mentioned we were talking before, Normandy, uh, people didn't storm the beaches of Normandy. So these uh, lobbyists and political hacks can turn our uh, our country into the, the banana republic that has done. And in fact, today, just to show, show how bad it's become, uh, today I went to uh, the Royal Bank. And, you know, that's not my primary bank. It, I used to deal with them many, many years ago. There's still an account there that I half use. And it, it wouldn't function. I couldn't figure out what the problem was. So I went into the bank and said, what's wrong with my client card? It's not working. And, they, and the girl popped it up and she said, oh, your account is, uh, is frozen because of the Emergency Measures Act in February. I mean, it is not safe to bank in this country anymore. Yeah. You're still having flags, consequences, financially, personally, from the accounts being frozen under the Emergency Act? Well, this was the first time I've encountered that because it's a bank that I don't really use. Uh, All my other stuff, you know, a day after the Emergency Measures Act is when uh, when my accounts were, were activated. You told Tablet Magazine 
that you were reluctant at first to even reveal the religions of all or the faith or the ethnicity of all the three main spokespeople at that conference. But then you decided to tell people you were Jewish. Can you walk us through what that thought process was like and why you did? Yeah, I think one of the problems we have as a community, one of the things that helps, uh, you know, fuel some of the pushback against us is we have gotten addicted to identity politics. And I'm not big on identity politics. That is that is a, a for lack of a better term, a left wing dominated um, worldview. And I think we've got we've taken things way too far. And the fact that, you know, I'm Jewish or we're Jewish is irrelevant to the fact that we were in Ottawa and trying to get people's freedoms. Uh, so the restrictions on freedoms, people's freedoms lifted. Right. Uh, and because right. of that, why did okay, but why did you feel it necessary? The three of you guys to reveal who you were that day because our uh, our media in Canada is obsessed with race. So because the smears of of were white supremacists, white nationalists, all that sort of stuff, you know, that's why. Did and, that help? Did it help? Yes, it did. It definitely did. You can see the collective. Oh. Okay, so if we keep going in this direction, uh, this Dictor guy is going to keep, you know, he's going to come out with a Kipa and Talis. And just so you understand that this whole white supremacy thing uh, is not going to stick. But it was it was it was quite it's quite it's quite insulting and offensive. And that's exactly the worldview of our prime minister. That's why I constantly say he's the most racist person to hold office in Canadian history, because he has that same underlying um, philosophy that drives him. So, th- so we were put in a position, in my opinion, we had no choice but to reveal our religious uh, identities. Dichter and the other organizers say their protest was peaceful, and during the ongoing inquiry into the government's use of the Emergencies Act, at least one or two senior police officers agreed with them. Some even helped the convoy with logistics. But that's not the entire story. At the blockade in Coots, Alberta, guns were found, arrests were made, and remember that some of the loudest voices among the convoy protesters, like YouTuber Pat King, suggested shooting the Prime Minister in the head and anarchist James Bowder advocated for overthrowing the Canadian government. In the end, Ottawa police laid over 500 charges against the protesters, including for weapons and assaults and uttering threats. Perhaps not having people who believe in the replacement theory or want to overthrow the government or put a bullet in the prime minister's head might have helped you not have to deal with what you just said. So, I mean, how would you have done it differently had you been able to do that? So that's... Well, I'm talking about Mr. Quiggins, of course, and other people like Pat King, some of these people who... No, 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 I'm, but I'm getting there. talk I'm, about this. So let's, know, if you could have... Right, so that's them. That's not myself, and that's not even people on the right. Uh, the people like, you know, Pat King, when I saw his video, I didn't know who this guy is. There's no clue, right? Some guy who tried to latch on as a volunteer. Uh, I found out who this guy was over Twitter on January the 24th, the day that Tamara left. And I called Tamara and I said, Tamara, who, who's Pat King? Who's this guy? And she says to me, uh, he's some uh, online vlogger and whatever it is. I'm like, okay, he's got to go. He's got to leave and send him home. And why, why I explained it. I'm a free speech absolutist. Okay. People should be allowed to say whatever they want, no matter how grotesque it is, because we can then respond to it. 
That's what I believe we should be. We should be doing. But I said, my, the reason I was so insistent upon him, not only was it embarrassing, but we do have these hate speech laws in Canada. And in my opinion, uh, he would have already crossed that threshold before we even left, <laughs> like before we left. And the guy is not an organizer. The guy is trying to be a volunteer. Like he is not. Anyways. Um, and they said, okay, great. All the best to you. Go home. And then he showed up at the next stop five hours later. And there was a lot of push or pull amongst him and some other people um, and Tamara and that team. And they were trying to get rid of him, but uh, they didn't have very much success. Pat King, and I think this is the other problem that we do in you know our community. Uh, and it's for me, it's quite embarrassing. We see anti-Semitism around any, every corner. Yeah, there's going to be people with stupid opinions. But Pat King has zero institutional power. He doesn't, he doesn't hold the reins of power like some of the people who have really, really dangerous views about Jews but are quiet about it, who are in the Liberal Party and the NDP Party, and even some in the Conservatives. And the Green. That's, and the Green. Pat King is just a guy who's mouthy, same as that Jeremy McKenzie guy. They're just mouthy people. But we always we, we always get so upset about the mouthy people who have zero power and we ignore or excuse away sometimes the people who have power and are a real danger to us. And it's for me, it's quite frankly, it's embarrassing that we're living in the 1940s that, you know, like the, the Third Reich is coming around the corner. Like, no, no, that's 80 years ago. The threat is completely different now and everybody is ignoring it because of diversity. So it's just it's very frustrating for me. Let's go to the Nazi flag. And that that but it's a very important part of your book. You oh, said it was bogus. You called it a setup. You said it was a conspiracy. I need to understand that. Where does this come from that it was a setup? That it, flag was a setup. Well, it's not that the flag's a setup. If you've noticed, con context and language is everything. And it's um if you noticed when you see the flag. You see the Nazi flag and you see the F. Trudeau flag was an endorsement of the Third Reich. It was suggesting that Trudeau behaves exactly like them. And another good example was the Lubavitchers. I met them actually in the first day that I was there. And I saw a woman with a uh, she was holding a sign. You know, they all made their own signs. And it was she had a swastika uh, written on the sign. And then she also had an equal sign and the yellow, the Jewish yellow star and a vaccine thing. She was anti-COVID vaccine. So I went up to her and I said, uh, explain to me your message. What are you trying to get across? And she says, oh, well, because people like Trudeau in power, they're the ones who killed my people in Europe in the 1930s and 40s because I'm Jewish. I'm a religious Jew. And that's exactly how they're behaving. So I, it was it was very frustrating to see the very first organization that promulgated this fake BS narrative about, oh, there was a Nazi flag, removed the context of it, was Sija and Shimon Fogel. And he's the one who put it up there. You didn't mention that in the book. I'm going to step in there. You said that the staging of that was done by liberal photography supporters 
and then tweeted out by um, the legacy media. And it became this huge reason why the, um, your your protest, your message of peace, love, harmony and unity got completely derailed by one stage flight. Well, that, that changed yeah. people's views in the Jewish community, because a lot of Jewish people for, support the truckers, supported the truckers. We interviewed them. I had them on my show. Which is exactly why they did this. So both these things can be possible. So while we were putting together the book, um, that was the most up-to-date information that we had in terms of what happened. And this happens frequently. You saw that with the Confederate flag right. as well. The same that idea, was bogus right? in stage two. That's right. What you're seeing is political actors trying to suade support away from the truckers, which is exactly what that was. Now, um, how it went with uh, like the, the individuals behind it, unfortunately, you know, we can file as med- many... FOIs as possible with the government, we're, we're going to get a bunch of redacted uh, documents and confirmation. But now the person who is say, said that uh, they were you, not you personally, but people who are accusing them of holding this flag said they were in Ottawa. They weren't even in Ottawa. Here's why. And if you don't stop, I'm suing you for libel. This was last week. Right. So the lawyer apologized in the, in the inquiry. Uh, no, well, that was okay. And so, said, "Okay, I was wrong," and that's they did walk it back. Um, that organization that was that uh, why they even brought it up. I, I mean, I know why, but the organization Enterprise is a conservative party organization. Conservative party, it's not Liberal Party. This was okay. theater because this is going to be the this was going to be, I think, uh, the next money maker for fundraising is make this lawyer the guy who's fighting the good fight and he's fighting against, you know, the liberal party and their fake narrative and whatever. It was a conservative organization. It was all theater. It was never going to go anywhere. But you said in your book, sorry, you said in your book that the flag carrying guys, photographers were working for the liberals. It seemed to be. So you're saying it's not true and new information. Are you going to change it? I don't know. Uh, at, at this point, when we wrote, when we drafted, that's what everybody seemed to understand at that point. That's what all the information seemed to prove at that point. And but I don't know. I don't know if that was to uh, I, I, I'm going to have to look into it more because um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to have to look it in a little bit further and investigate it. But at the time when we were drafting the script, everything seemed to to point that this was staged and that's the important part that this was uh designed to remove to move public opinion away from the supporting of the truckers that's the thing that's important right how they did it the individuals who did it whatever we'll see so you think your book said and i'm going to just say that you had six or seven incidents which the public latched onto the media latched onto the military, not the military, the political leaders latched onto urinating on the, we talked about the military, right. And, and November 11th. So urinating on the, the monument and dancing on the monument. You're saying these are all bogus and they're all stupid and they weren't done maliciously. No, they weren't, they weren't done. They're fake. They're completely fake. Well, they were done. They just weren't done with the. No, 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 no. They were completely fake. One of the many outrages from the legacy media, the truckers are parking on the war memorial. (laughs) The truckers were parked on the war memorial. They were parked right next to it where the media always parks. So I made the joke on the stage that I think the legacy media is just upset 
that a truck took their parking spot. Uh, when the desecration of the um, of Terry Fox desecration, they put a Canadian flag and a sign that says "Mandate Freedom." I don't think Terry Fox would have endorsed a policy that would have prevented him from walking from running across Canada uh, from province to province. Because as you know, that was the next thing that they were considering sealing off each province. Uh, how that's desecration? You have to have a very warped mind, or be significantly ideologically subverted to believe that putting a Canadian flag on Terry Fox, a symbol of Canadian unity, is desecration. Back to the inquiry. You testified. What do you hope comes out of the inquiry? What do you expect, and what do you hope? Because those are two different things. What I expect is what we always get out of the political class. Truckers bad, government bad, don't do it again. Here's some recommendations to changes to the Emergency Measures Act. Take your ball and go home. That's what I expect is going to come out of uh, the report, which is going to be in February or March. What I hope happens, I mean, it's so difficult now because the, the waters are so muddied by two political parties, both lying. But so, what you, you, so what do you hope will be the result um, for Canadians of this inquiry? I hope what the result would be is for people to understand um, that the report would come out and explain that it's not uh, Trudeau bad, uh, conservatives good, that tu- Trudeau and Doug Ford succinctly invoked the, measure, the Emergency Measures Act to stifle the most peaceful protest in Canadian history. As the head of OPP intelligence said, which is the largest intelligence branch in Canada, he said, the lack of violence was shocking, something I've never never seen in my 36-year career. So I'm hoping people will get that message out. If, if I was going to dream, dream, I'm dreaming big here. The report's going to say this entire process was entirely peaceful, That's why they were feeding the homeless. They had a soup kitchen. They were building saunas and hot tubs and having dance parties because this was Canada's Woodstock moment. That's for my friends on the left side of the aisle who love to to revisit times like that in history. You had it in Canada and it was right in front of your face. Is there going to be political repercussions? I think the political repercussions are already there. The government did all we were asking them to do is to drop the mandates and drop the data tracking. And for me, the data tracking was the most important because I remember learning in Hebrew school as a little kid about those yellow stars. And it's shocking that people in our community couldn't figure that out. That was the most disappointing thing for me. In your book, and the title of your book, You use the word honking for freedom. And, I'm, and I, I know that, you know, you're probably expecting the question. You've a- answered it before, but I think our audience would like to hear about it. You said you didn't hear honking too much. It was, I mean, at the beginning was, of course, the first few days, but it was quiet. It wasn't a key feature of the protest. Honking was a big deal for the Jewish community, especially when people started going into the conspiracy theories of HH and Heil Hitler and oh, what it means oh online. You talk about embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. A, is it really true you didn't hear that much honking? And B, it wasn't part of this strategy? If you go to honkingforfreedom.com, you'll see I have a promo video up there. 
And it's only a couple of minutes, but the, the full one is 45 minutes. Mike has, uh, one of my supporters made the video. He's walking the streets and talking to people. And you'll notice a lack of honking in that video. You know why? Because we weren't honking. The honking was when everybody arrived the first couple of days because people were coming in on the, 29th, the 28th and the 29th. And around the stage when we gave speeches or during Pastor Hildebrand's services, when people were clapping, you would hear honking as well. Uh, that's pretty much what it was. It was almost like those those horns at the Blue Jays game. That's how that's what honking became. But once the these people who are connected to the Liberal Party enacted this class action suit and there was an injunction against the honking and we had to say, OK, well, because uh, I was told the honking has to be limited in scope to a certain area and a certain time. I'm like, well, I care about honking. That's all we're here for. <laughs> we're, we're, we're here for mandates. So th but that became, for people who don't know internet culture, they may not understand it. But that became the meme online that this became the protest, hashtag honk honk on Twitter or whatever protest because we couldn't honk anymore. So people would put up, you know, Canadian geese, honk honk. Just to uh, to make fun of just the extreme levels of uh, of people on the other side, what the extreme levels of what they went to because they couldn't tolerate I don't know a peaceful protest. What about Freedom 2.0? Uh, the government's getting ready for a new renewed Freedom 2.0 convoy. What do we know? What do you know? Can you say this is this has been going on? They've been trying to bait people. The government has been trying to bait people in starting a Freedom Convoy. Another Freedom Convoy since March. They started in March. Uh, and I and many others have been repeatedly over and over again saying, don't do it. Stop. The convoy was a success. We got the provincial mandates dropped. Ultimately, the federal mandates were dropped as well. And at that point, we were going into a commission. Let the legal and political process take over, right? And there are some people who are a little bit enthusiastic and don't understand politics or how the world works legally. Um, and there's a lot of people who, some of those people, they just want to be famous at any cost. And they don't understand how dangerous any sort of fame can be, but they're just desperate for it. There's no convoy. There's no, there's one lunatic and I know the people around him and they keep telling me, they, they said to me, we keep telling him, drop it. We're not doing a convoy. His own people saying we're not doing a convoy. So just somebody trying to get attention. There's really no need at this point. Look, it's been great to meet you finally uh, after all this time. And I really, really appreciate having you here on the CJN Daily. Thanks a lot. It's my pleasure. And my, my parents are going to be very happy because they read the CJN, of course. I did need to mention, by the way, that Jeremy McKenzie, who Dichter called Mouthy, is actually the leader of the Diagolon movement from Nova Scotia. They're considered a threat by the federal government for their far-right views, and Mackenzie's been arrested on weapons charges since he took part in the convoy. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Professor Meyer Semyatiki of Toronto. He wrote in to tell us that his synagogue, Darche Noam, is hosting a lecture this coming weekend by the Canadian Civil Liberties Association about freedom. The association felt the government went too far by bringing in the Emergencies Act to stop the protest, so it filed a lawsuit right away to have the decision overturned. 
Thanks for listening. It's good to be back. Let me know what you think of this interview with Benjamin Dichter. As always, write to me at ebesner at thecjn.ca. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.